welcome everybody. Welcome to the Good Fighters Podcast. Dr. Nash Dopko coming at you live uh, with Dr. Gates Mayer from Grand Rapids, Lost. Michigan. And a uh, very, very special guest today, Dr. Nathan Garowitz. Uh, with a whole lot of connection, intention, and purpose. Um, so today we got a, like I said before, really- we got an extra dose. Oh, an extra dose, yes. Um, really excited about this today. Uh, Dr. Nathan, uh, I, I've mentioned him in the past, but he's one of the- He's one of my greatest, I would say, influences I've had in my life, especially through chiropractic school and um, through my journey and my path towards uh, bettering myself. He was there from the beginning and he's been at every MLS seminar I've had the opportunity of, of working in. And, um, you know, he's been somebody that has been instrumental for me in my life and just really trying to develop my skills and helping people along their path, too. Um, so. Dr. Gates and I were kind of talking before Dr. Nathan and one theme that we know is pretty common with guests is just like asking them about their story and asking them about uh, where they've come, where they've come from. And really we wanted to make this a little bit different. So we were, uh, were wanting to know. Um, so we know we've, you know, like established where you've been coming from, but where do you see yourself moving towards and uh, what's, you know, uh, your story look like? In the years to come, take us into the mind of Dr. Nathan. Oh boy, there's all kinds of twists and cul de sacs up there. So um, I love <laughs> I love the question because if, if at, at a certain point, if you're on enough podcasts, you eventually like every we always start with the story. So I like that we're starting differently today. That's cool. Uh, so uh, moving into the future, um, I opened my practice a couple of years ago, so it's um, starting to really grow, um, especially in the last year or so. One of the great gifts that ha happened in the last year is so many people are more aware of their health and how valuable and vital that is and how it affects everything we know, everything we do, everyone that we interact with and everyone we know. And what I think part of what happened last year is that everyone got really tired of just playing defense with their health in terms of only trying to prevent something, it, whereas I see people really starting to be more proactive with what they want to do and what they want to accomplish for themselves. That they're getting to the point where that you kind of need to get to for a major breakthrough of this can't just be it. There's got to be something more going on. So in my practice, continuing to serve people um, as, as we call it in MLS, the exceptional chiropractic experience and to really help people to heal, to grow, to thrive. And uh, I'm in my hometown. I practice um, about a mile from my high school, which is really cool, really strange at the same time, uh, having lived all over the country between the two, those two experiences. Um, but so there's that end of things. With regards to um, how I serve with regards to MLS, which is for anyone um, listening who may not be familiar with it, uh, it was it's a chiropractic approach. It's really an approach to life that we just apply to chiropractic, all about doing everything from a place of peace and ease rather than trying to force whether it's someone's body or force life into a particular way, how do I, how do you flow with life and create more peace and ease both in the body, in the neurospinal system and in life in general, both for you and the people that we take care of, that all three of us take care of. And uh, we, in the, we continued to do programs last year uh, that were fantastic and amazing and really transformative for people. So we are, continuously growing to find how do we take that this opportunity 
for more chiropractors and chiropractic students around the world and around the country. Because we've been at it since 1983. We've got it really dialed in. If when people come to our programs, we can actually pretty much know at what point in the seminar people are going to break through on different things and different aspects. Mm. It's a lot like popcorn. Some pop early, some pop middle, <laughs> most pop in the middle, some pop late, some don't pop at all. And that's perfectly fine. But regardless, everyone leaves with a higher skill set, both in the way that they serve people and the way they connect to themselves, which I'm happy to get into more if you guys would like. Um, the, the third thing is that there's another work that I do called quickening, which is all about rewriting belief systems. Because just like we have a cardiovascular system, we've got a respiratory system, we've got a muscular system, we've got all have belief systems. And they're as powerful, if not more so than all the others, because they can override what's going on in our physical systems, if that makes some sense. And I can get into more of that. And it also gets into what I would consider metaphysical and esoteric foundation for being human. Because there's a lot of aspects about being a human that were really not talked about, or they're really glossed over in most people's um, experience. And we go into them in depth and make it so much more comfortable to be both a finite human in this, in this meat spacesuit walking around and connect to our divine essence. So I'm starting to take those more and more to more people. Um, I learned that work from Susan Rossi, who's an amazing chiropractor in Georgia and um, esoteric metaphysical teacher, shamanic teacher. And um, so we're going to be taking that more and more now that people can travel again. So, yeah, that's awesome. And it's uh, it's it's I'm I'm very uh, excited about what can come next, because there's been a lot. The last year has been a lot of really intense stillness which is extremely important Mm. for growth you can't have unadulterated growth you don't find that in nature or you do but it's called cancer so there has to be an active component and a pat and a relaxed component there has to be processing and integrating yin and yang we just the world of duality we live in and I'm a big fan of the Dalai Lama and he he, uh, one of his quotes that I love is you have to learn the rules so you can break them effectively True. Yeah. Do you find that that growth will be more exponential now after that stillness? I I think so. And that's what I've seen for people that I take care of. I think part of it is that, and I, and I, I joke all the time, you know, last year we all had this amazing opportunity to get really quiet with ourselves and just be still and really access a, more, a little bit more of the feminine aspect of who we all are. Because whether we're men, w- men or women or anywhere on that spectrum, we all have masculine and feminine energy. Feminine is all about stillness. And most people, I, I joke, you know, when they had this opportunity to really take inventory and find out what is it that they were doing in their life and was it working for them, they learned how to make sourdough bread, and which is a <laughs> wonderful pastime and delicious. And whether people were aware of it or not, that's what was happening last year. And so because of that, um, there's a greater sense of what's possible that I see, whether people are consciously aware of it or not. Um, I'm a, I became a big fan of Brandy Carlisle in the last couple months. She's a um, Americana folk singer. And I listened to her and in her um, book that just came out, the last chapter she wrote last year. So it was during the shutdowns, during the, the global okay. dance that we were all doing. And she said, you know, the next time we find ourselves on stage, we'll, exi- we'll all remember who we are. And so will you, which is stardust without any meteors calling, striking us. So 
Uh, it's, it's, I think a lot of people are starting to remember consciously or unconsciously their, their nature of this stardust of being human, human divines and divine humans all at the same time. I know I just got really metaphysical, so we can bring it back more grounded if y'all would. No, we, we, we love jumping into that right, right off the bat. <laughs> Microcosm in the macrocosm, right? That's, Absolutely. I, I love it. Um, so building with the, you know, the stillness you've been, you've been uh, helping people cultivate, right? Because that's, that's what a lot of it, um, a lot of the process has to be is, I would assume, helping people understand that they, this year of stillness is something, um, like a silver lining, right? It's like a, a springboard for them to continually uh, adapt and grow. What's, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, what are some of the steps that you have been seeing people have to overcome with that? That's a great question. And and I definitely agree with you. It's absolutely a silver lining or a springboard. And what I've told people is that we're not for the fact, we're not for the horrible loss of life in the last year. Uh, this was a dev- this was an amazing gift. And there are still gifts within, and there was this unfortunate, terrible loss of life that happened, um, which I'm not denying in any sense, in any sense of the word. And that is, there is that process of what I call inner mastery. I used to call it inner work, but I much prefer calling it inner mastery because it's getting working on the different parts of ourselves. And one of the main components that people are unaware of that I'm, I'd love to dive in with you guys for a moment is what's called shadow processing. Because especially, I'm just, go, I'm making an assumption. And I know I shouldn't, but I'm doing it anyway. Which is that probably most people who listen to your podcast are familiar with the term being a light worker or that we work with the light or we're a warrior for the light, that kind of idea. Am I decently accurate? Or- yeah, they, oh, yeah, they could get on board with that for sure. Alrighty, cool. So good. Glad we're on the same. (laughs) There's, we live in a world of duality. It's one of the seven things that make the human experience what it is. So unique amongst all the experiences out there. And so there's light and there's shadow. We absolutely need them both. What happens is when I say shadow, I'm partially using how Carl Jung referred to it. He's a psychologist who kind of pioneered the term in mass consciousness, which is, the unconscious belief systems, concepts, thought forms about who we are, how we operate, how life is, and that we filter our experience through. Another way of looking at it is the disassociated pieces of ourselves, the pieces of ourselves that due to trauma, injury, overwhelm, stress, whether physically, chemically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, or in the case of 2020, all of them at once, they can, we can fracture, if that makes sense. And so shadow processing is the process of calling that, calling those pieces home and rewriting all that, those beliefs and those concepts. So what happens is you go to an amazing experience. Someone comes into either of your offices and you, I'll use the term we all, we all like to use, we light them up and we help them really experience how amazing their body is and what a sacred thing it can be. Or you go to a seminar, or you go to you hear an amazing sermon. You do a meditation retreat. You have an you walk in nature. You go to a concert. Something that really draw pulls light into your being. What will the gift of that is that it will flush up shadow. And just like you might be able to see the shadow on the wall behind me, the amount of shadow is proportionate to the light that is pulled in. So that pulls up that shadow, which means we then get to process it integrate it, or in other words, bring it home to ourselves. And that's the gift. When that happens, it can be a little um, dramatic, potentially, if you work off that 
if you live in a paradigm where growth has to be dramatic, traumatic, and full of pain and stress. I would invite you and all your listeners, you don't have to live in that paradigm anymore. It can be safe, gentle, and easy. And then what happens is as we process and integrate all that shadow, we expand so we can hold more light. So more light comes Mm. in, more shadow flushes up, and we do the dance again. And that's shadow processing. That's That's shadow dancing. And it's talked about in many different cultures, whether Native American or Buddhist traditions, many of the Eastern traditions talk about it. It just so happens that in the West, we don't talk about it an exceptional amount. And so that's what was happening for a lot of people last year. Part of the reason that everyone seemed so terrified last year, and regard, I, I, I lovingly joke, I'm confident the Pope and the Dalai Lama had some stress last year because it was, it was intense. Part of it is everything we were experiencing at the, the, the current time, part of it is that we have what's called cellular memory and disassociated pieces and genetic memory of previous pandemics, shutdowns, and then you layer on the fact that halfway through the year, one of the main major things we were all processing was the um, inequality issues, I'll just loosely term them issues, that we have in this country which is a huge long history and so if you're comf- if you're open to entertain the idea that we've been around the block more than just one lifetime we've got stuff shadow from those lifetimes we also have genetic memory we have things that will hang out in our electromagnetic field from our lineage so it was a lot going on and so part so and i go into this in the in the book that just came out there are a couple steps that everyone can take because i like to give people practical things to do the three, one of the, the a three step process to allow this to be much more gentle is don't take it personally, don't judge it, and stay in present time. So the act of not taking it personally. Here's my analogy for taking it personally. We all have that itchy sweater we got from some great aunt for Christmas, and it's and you know we'll wash it and then we'll go to put it away. And as we're putting our laundry away. It can be very easy to go, oh, that's my itchy red sweater. I'll take off this shirt, put it on, and feel how itchy it is. Versus just going, no, that's mine. That's my itchy red sweater. I'm going to hang it up and put it in the closet and not, ha- and, and then I'm done with it. What happens is when we are processing the shadow, it's very easy for us to think it's happening right now, which is where that staying in present time comes in, which I will get, I'll come back to in a minute. We'll put a pin on that. Then there's the, also the issue of not, ta- of not judging it. Oftentimes, and I know I've experienced this, you guys have probably experienced this, something will happen in your life and it'll, I'll use a, I'm going to use a word that I don't particularly love, but I need a better word. It'll almost trigger you or it'll make you like get upset, emotion, some sort of a wave of emotion will happen. And you're like, may I use a cuss word? Yeah. Shit. I thought I was done with this. I thought I had fully <laughs> handled this. My opinion, it's a spiral. We always come back around to things that we thought we'd handled just to get deeper, get out of them. But what happens is we judge that, oh, I shouldn't have to deal with this, or this isn't right. This is this is horrible. Whereas now it just is. And then the last one is to stay in present time. This is one of the ways that chiropractic is really vital to the in what I'm describing, the shadow pro, shadow dancing process is the dance of enlightenment. It's how you can become enlightened on the planet. It's part of the reason the chiropractic is so vital to it. Because A, a chiropractic adjustment when delivered peacefully, honoringly, and still with a deep and powerful application, will pull people into present time. It, 
and you and I, the three of us see it, must see it all day long where people get up off the table and they're just like, I am like, you have the look in their eyes where like they're here. They are fully here in body, in the present moment. They're with us. They're not stuck in the sensations or experiences they were living in. They're here. So that's part of, and I'll come back to more if you want, you guys want about how chiropractic facilitates this dance. But so the, those three things can be vital of don't take it personally, don't judge it, stay in present time. Or in other words, allow it to be, stay consciously detached and stay in present time. Mm. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. that um, you know, I, I think so many times, especially that last portion, when, when you adjust somebody and they kind of just sit there for a second. And initially, as a student, especially, you might be thinking, oh, they're lightheaded. Oh, they're like still taking into account the adjustment. But it could, and many times we do see it, them actually becoming more present with themselves, the self awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've never thought about before, but I, I mean, it didn't click before, I guess. But I love the idea of that, of them just coming back and bringing in those pieces, bringing in those portions of them that makes them who they're supposed to be and who they actually are and not who they either become or who the world wants them to be. Yeah. I love that concept. And, and Nash was talking about the stillness that happens. I think part of the gift of getting adjusted, whether they are on the table for 60 seconds or whether they are on the table for 45 minutes, that it's giving them an opportunity to just be with themselves. And mm-hmm. what I often, t- people come in and they will tell me, I am such a mess. And what I will tell them Sometimes on the first visit, sometimes later is, no, we're going to make this mess that you're currently living in your message of healing and health and transformation that can happen. And that stillness that can be cultivated both internally and, and outwardly that's, you know, in all each of our offices gives them the opportunity, gives their body the opportunity to finish the learning process of whatever experience got stuck in the neurospinal system, got stuck and wasn't able to fully move through. So it takes what we do rather than a restorative trying to fix people model into much more of a healing and growth model of how do I help you get better and better and better and better? Because you can't take, you can't take in, in my opinion, we can't go backwards in our lives where time continues to, where time's an illusion, but it's the illusion we've all agreed to. So we're moving forward with it. And so it's a matter of how do we, use everything that you just experienced that may have been incredibly traumatic, dramatic, stressful, or injurious, and make it a rocket fuel for what your life can be. But it takes a certain level of dedication to mastery of skills to be able to do that. So when you were talking about, you know, being somewhat of I don't want to call it broken apart because that's not the right, uh, I don't, that's not even the image I'm really thinking about, but you know, people associating with all these, like, I mean, have you, have you seen the movie split? I haven't, but I, I've seen enough clips of it. So, okay. so essentially, um, in one person, he's got like 36 different personalities living with him. Sure, I sure. think, uh, to some extent, that's a, that's a component that a lot of people are, are having to deal with at least in our day and age with so much technology being in their face all the time where um i think there's a bit of a identity crisis sometimes that people have to to try to digest that they're identifying with so many different things and like having the the feeling that they gotta 
express that right and they feel almost like super scattered and i think that with that stillness that's almost um you know this last year that was like a almost overwhelming stillness for a lot of people so you know what you were saying is like a lot you know creating that space for them to be able to digest that and integrate that to you know bring that all together and really uh hold that space for them to come together uh man beautiful Mm -hmm. And, and when do you think, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Gates, sorry. I was just going to say, do you kind of view yourself in that moment um, as somebody who's giving that adjustment as almost being, I don't know, there's, there's three different things that kind of come to mind, either being a magnet to help them draw that back in, or do you see yourself as maybe a conduit or a lighthouse to help that happen? Or what what's that intention that you kind of have in your mindset as that process is taking place? If you can dive into that. Absolutely. So it's, it's funny you said lighthouse because last year, um, and, and Nash, you were probably at some of the seminars where I said this, where I was talking to people and they were, you know, my analogy for myself last year, because especially in March, April, it got a little rough for everybody. We know, no one knew what tomorrow was going to happen, which not that we ever really do, but it got very apparent that we had no idea. We were all flying by the seat of our pants. We knew there was no toilet paper and that was about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that would be the currency. Right. People, <laughs> no, invest in Charmin. Uh, <laughs> what the analogy that I came up for myself was that the waves were getting really rocky and most people were getting thrashed about by the waves. Some were learning how to surf. I chose to make my office and me and my being as best as possible, a lighthouse. So that's the analogy. I like that. Really enjoy that analogy. I view it as that I'm facilitating the net, the process of healing. That is a natural process. That is everyone's birthright. Mm. And using the skill set that I have and the presence that I can bring to it, the greater amount of space I can hold will allow that to happen much more spontaneously. And so part of it is a conscious intention, I said, and part of it is a state of being that when you just get, you know, you guys have both probably experienced this. When you get around certain people, you just feel yourself go, oh, if that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, where you just, you, you find yours almost like you entrain to them. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with the term entrain or entrainment, if you put a bunch of clocks in a room together, they will all sync up. It's also the principle of any women who are listening to this show, anyone who is either, either has menstruated or lived with women who, or people who menstruate, you know that you exi- you know exactly what I'm talking about because if you get a group of women who are menstruating living together, you get your people menstruating together, they will sync up together and their cycles will all align. Now, the interesting thing is they'll all align to whoever the alpha is in the group, but that's a topic for another day. So that's the, it's also the same principle of how, ber- how ducks and geese can migrate. Mm-hmm. They're able to entrain to another. It's the way that bi- biological rhythms sync up. So I do my best to hold my space to be as grounded, centered, connected to source and open-hearted as possible and I allow people to entrain to that. So it's not always something that I have to say. It's more a state of being that I do my best to hold. And my best varies, you know, every minute by minute, day by day. For example, last week on Thursday, I had a massive headache because we gave up sugar last week. And uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, 
uh, with going through withdrawals. So, you know, that it was still profound experience for every healing for everyone. And that was, I did my best given those circumstances. Does that make a little bit of sense to your question? Uh, You know, we've talked about before uh, on a few episodes beforehand, we didn't call it entrainment, but it's amazing how just universal intelligence in general seeks some sort of balance, right? And some sort of equilibrium where when you're around those, those people who you're on the same frequency with that you just seem to, uh, I don't know what it's called in music, but when you have, I mean, it's just like a G note matches the same G note on a different uh, instrument, right? So um, I, I love that. That's awesome. And anyone who's an athlete knows exactly what I'm talking about, because you've, if you played any sort of team sport, or even if you've done individual sports that involve like a relay race or um, whether swimming or running or team sports, there's a moment that can happen where everyone syncs up. No one has to look at each other. Everyone just knows exactly what the other one's doing and it's working as one unit. And that's, that's the same principle. So it's something that everyone is aware of. Just not everyone has heard the words to describe it for just like the word integrate that we've been using constantly. The easiest way I didn't find it is it's the process. It's coming home to oneself. And the more that that happens, the more comfortable people can become with themselves. And oftentimes that leads to phenomenal physiological healing and it can lead to amazing deep core healing as well. What do you see as the biggest interference of that in today's age? What do you see as the biggest interference to that in today's age? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, 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 a, it's a very big question. It's, a good, it's an important question. So there are several different ones of it. But the, one of the thing, first things that is coming to mind is we have all exceptionally bought into the illusion of separation. Meaning, and we, and we can get into the, you know, the physical technology, and which for the record is, can be used very powerfully. It's just a tool. Yeah. We're doing this across, I think, a megaphone. Least, yeah, three different states where we're having this podcast. So, it, and the funny part is it's all silicone, so it's crystal magic. Um, <laughs> so, but I think one of the biggest things is that we, part of the dance of being human is we showed up to play a game where the divine wanted to see what it's like to be separated. So it created a game and humans were the one that we were the ones that went, okay, let's play the game. So we're an aspect of the, of the divine experiencing separation, learning to transcend it. Does that make a little bit of sense how I'm phrasing it? Yeah. And almost yeah. like uh, not in, not experiencing self-awareness, but like experimenting with self-awareness. Right. Or like, yeah. And it, yeah. Cause at, at, at one and it's all a matter of perspective. So from one perspective, like who I am stops right here on my skin. On a, from an emotional standpoint, you can feel someone's emotions from across the room. If either of you guys are in um, romantic relationships, I know Nash, I know you are. You get home and your partner is upset about something. Even if you can't physically see her, you walk in the door, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so do I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so... Our, emo- our emotions can carry weight. Our mental capacities in, in, the world, in the world of our mind, we have so much flexibility. The tricky part is disciplining it for most of us. Then there's the aspect of our personality, which is, or our ego, 
which from my perspective, an ego is not a bad thing. If we weren't supposed to have them, we wouldn't have them. It's a matter of disciplining it and cultivating and disciplining it. So it's not overly humble or overly arrogant. They're the flip side of the same coin because our, our personality, our ego is what allows us to wield power. Those are all the finite components of ourselves. Those are the parts that at some point in, at some point I made, we may choose to drop these bodies and those are the parts that will go away. Then there's our soul and our spirit, and there's different levels within there. And then there's the what I call the infinite, incorruptible, unconditional divine source, or universal intelligence, or the universe, or God, or Cookie Monster, whatever word, whatever word you know tickles your fancy. From any of the, from those different perspectives, it's all it's all just a rising and falling of phenomenon and a and an experiencing of different lessons, gifts, and. Um, the human in the human experiment. So the, the that part of what it is is we as a culture, in my opinion, have over-indexed on the finite components of ourselves. Yep. Meaning we've over-indexed on our personality and our ego. And our person part of our the function of our personality and ego is to separate things. Same with our mind. And emotionally, most of us are exceptionally stunted in our growth. Chronolo- physically, I'm 30 years old. Emotionally, I have worked exception. I put a lot of inner mastery hours into building my emotional body. So it's the same age that I am. Whereas most people out there, not there, not there any specific fault of their own. It's most, it's, you know, it has to do with the culture and the horizontal perspective we live in has to do, you know, they are about two years old. We throw tantrums. And for the record, I occasionally do too. Um, <laughs> usually involving the Chicago Bears. Um, so it's just a matter of learning those different, learning to cultivate and grow each of those different aspects of ourselves. And I think part of it is allowing ourselves to to believe how amazing and powerful and divine we actually are, and that we are all children of the divine, not just a few select people. Then and anything else that I think a lot of the other things that we could talk about, whether it's the way we eat, whether it's the way we live, living exceptionally disconnected from nature and the rhythms of our body, whether it's the way we feed ourselves, whether it's the technology we use, are different reflections of that. Um, and I think part of it is for the last the pendulum has has swung so far into the. Um, mental realm but it's starting to swing itself back now there's nothing again there's nothing inherently wrong with mental processes the prospects of the advancements of science and technology allow us to do this podcast allow lots of amazing things to happen and allowing us to know yeah there's also some other stuff out there there's other aspects of who we are that i think you know it doesn't take long you know you talk to someone who um who is a, a war veteran they've lost a limb are they less of a person because they don't have a leg or an arm? No, of course not. They're still a whole human. So it's just a matter. So it, it becomes very quick. It, it's not, it doesn't take long for people to realize, oh, I'm actually more than just my physical body, that this is my spacesuit or my vehicle or the way I like to view it is this is my pet. It showed up for me to house me. It's doing a phenomenal sacred service for me. And how do I take care of it like I would, like I take care of my dog, Millie? Most people take better care of their pets than they do their their actual. Yeah, <laughs> big time. 
And part of the reason it's so important to take care of our physical animal, and this is where chiropractic comes in really importantly, is because we came here for physical. We came here to have the physical experience. And if we want miracles to happen in our lives, we have to be here to receive them. It's like ordering something from Amazon and moving. You have to actually be there to get it. And so that's where, I, where the process of embody, embodying yourself fully and making this a sacred vehicle to, with which to experience life becomes really uh, critical and really fun. Real quick, Doc. So we do have five minutes left on this recording. So what I'm going to try and do is if we drop out, I'm going to try and just like get real quick do another one. So it'll be like a little quick little two-parter. But um, So we can all drink some water and breathe. Got it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, Soak it in. Yeah. So one uh, quote I was reading this morning was that, so the ego loves complexity and the soul loves simplicity. Ooh, I like that. Um. And, you know, just kind of going back around to what you were talking about with, you know, how much we've been leaning into that recently with uh, just technology and just overall lifestyle, making it more complex mm-hmm. that we need to add more things to make our life more fulfilling, right? When in all actuality, if we were to get more simple and remove most things, we would find life is so much more meaningful, fulfilling, and we would get so much more out of it, right? Um, I like that idea. I, I'm good with that idea. <laughs> Well, and that's what we work with a lot, right? Is just removing, removing that, that interference, but also uh, trying to find what's going to release the most life and, and uh, helping that whoever is in front of us in the best way, shape or form, whether that be through a physical embodiment of reception or even right when they walk through the door with uh, whatever sounds or visual ambiance that might be there for, for that person walking in. Well, you see a lot more success in that too. You see a lot more people that are able to reach what they, like you said, in fulfillment, but also reach what they set out to do. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I always find it funny when people come into your office and like, what can I do for this? What can I do for that? And I always ask them, well, let's take a step back and see what we can take away first before we even try to add anything into to the mix ever. Um, and once and, they recognize that simplicity, it's designed to see what happens. Yeah. And, and, for the record, I don't necessarily go through this um, uh, TED Talk version of, of all everything that can happen with an adjustment. I keep it exceptionally simple. In my office, I tell people, the way I explain it is, your body's really smart. It knows what to do. It's, it's very easy, especially if they're parents, because it's like they know that bodies can create new bodies. Um, you know, or mo- even kids. You know, I ask them, have you ever had someone, ever had a friend who broke a bone? Yeah, they put it, and most of them will say yes. I say, great. You know how they put it in a cast and the bone put itself back together? Yeah, your body's really smart. It knows how to do that. So we just got to, we, you know, sometimes it just gets pulled out of balance. Hmm. So what the adjust, adjusting process does, the process in a chiropractic office, is it cultivates and creates more balance, harmony, and connection. And people are like, I like where we're going with that. Or the other question that I think is important for all of us to, co- to consider is where does healing come from, inside of us or outside of us? And I ask that to people all the time in my office. And I rarely have anyone say that it comes from outside of us. Almost everyone agrees or everyone is in agreement that it comes from inside of us. And to which I say, fantastic. Let's just make sure that all of those channels are open and as clear as possible and make sure everything's in balance. And when you, you need those certain circumstances, but life is always aiming to thrive your body's always working to 
first it'll first it'll work to survive that's its bare minimum that's where a lot of these where a lot of the blockages or interferences that we all help clear out of the clear in the system come from is the body working to survive but it, we can it can also access different programs we can allow it a software upgrade on operate the operating system can be upgraded from survival to healing growth thrival connection and in each of those there's amazing gifts that can happen and a much greater physiological ease and function whether that is someone actually being able to dress themselves without needing help or take out the garbage by themselves or be able to focus in school and, and be able to you know as a third grader actually be able to do their work and then have so much fun playing at recess so it's just it, it's just a matter of you know big idea sleep. right like what media <laughs> always uh wrote about as well with uh it's really easy to get stuck in the concepts for that one man having to deal with uh like you said, just putting your shoes on, right? And putting your shoes on for that one person might be a little thing, but like if he can't do that, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's there was there was a moment last year where I was getting really, uh, I was just feeling at all the emotions of everything last year because there was a lot going on. And I watched a movie called Jojo Rabbit, which I highly recommend if you guys haven't seen it. And at one point, one of the characters looks at themselves in the mirror and says, today, just do what you can. And so... Part of it is for me focusing intently on who is in front of me and what can I do and what can they receive and not giving and not shoving it down their throat fundamentally or dogmatically, just opening up the possibility as there, as I am also helping their body be more safe. So it can then learn so they can then access more of that joy and wisdom that's available. It's a fun way to make a living. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's go. Cool. Okay. Sorry, good fighters. We cut out there. But, like I said, we got double dose, extra dose, connection, intention, and purpose. <laughs> um, one other, I, I don't mean to just uh, segue because I know we we're moving really good there, but one portion we always love to ask uh, whenever we have a guest is we love to ask about connection, intention, and purpose. Sure. And um, just kind of where that, you know, even those words, what they mean to you are also where you might be uh, really emphasize those with not just your life, but also maybe like in your practice. And, uh, you know, if you could just kind of share what those, uh, how do you interpret those words for us? Sure. So I am a big fan of Simon Sinek's work. Um, if, you're, if anyone's not familiar, he is someone who he started off in marketing, interestingly enough, and he found how certain leaders, certain people and certain movements and pro and companies speak differently and connect differently with than other companies. It's, it comes back to the why people have such brand loyalty to Apple, because for decades they promoted themselves incredibly differently because they always came from their why, which could be, you could consider synonymous with purpose, which is everyone has a why or a purpose of what it is that they do. And in my opinion, it is once you can delineate it and look at it and read it and refine it, it becomes a really great filter to be able to determine what actions are most appropriate for me to take. What, you know, do I, and that can be as simple as which jar of peanut butter do I buy in the grocery store? You know, you know, this one is organic and doesn't have any added sugar and is made from nuts that were played Beethoven out on the farm. And this is one of, you know, the 
whole, you know, wholesale brand that is full of crap, but it's $4 cheaper. But again, how am I feel? So is it congruent or not congruent? Because the more things we do that are out of integrity with ourselves and the less congruency we have, the more chaos is going to ensue. And it's kind of back to the same thing I said before of where does health and healing come from inside of us or outside of us? If you are of the belief in the belief that it comes from within us, then it's a matter of what are we doing to cultivate that? And to be fair, I do enjoy chocolate cake on occasion. It's not a matter of denying yourself some of the fun parts of life, but it's um, acknowledging where am I putting my energy? Where am I putting my focus? So I think if you can delineate your purpose, mission, and vision, and for some people just being able to delineate you know, what is the why I do what I do? What is the purpose behind what I do what I do? It also, for anyone who is a entrepreneur or in the service industry, it makes it very, makes it so much easier to um, separate yourself from the hundreds of, you know, I'm down the street from National College or National University of Health Sciences. So there's another chiropractic school down the road from me. So there's hun- there's hundreds of chiropractors. I, I have some people who come from an hour away and they might drive past a hundred other chiropractors. I choose to think that part of it is because of how I express who I am and the purpose behind what I do. Part And then with regards to intention, intention is a, it, just like anything else, it's a skill that can be cultivated. It cu- physiologically and energetically it comes off of our third chakra, which is right here. Sorry, I'll move my mic right here under our solar plexus. Back to the idea that we might be a little more than just our physical body, but that our solar plexus, the neurological plexus in there is the physiological, uh, physiological um, representation of that. So our, we have will and we have intention. And it used to be that we used to have, it used to be very hard for people to hold will and hold intention. That's why you had things like vows come up or you had different instruments of intention. You know, I remember when, when I was a kid, people would be like, let's be blood brothers. And they'd like prick their fingers and put the blood together. And I always thought it was gross. So I didn't do it. But um, I think intuitively, I just knew we're beyond such, we don't have, we don't have to do that anymore. You know, whether it's a vow or a pledge, we can, but it's a matter to do it consciously. But that's, a, again, a topic for another day because <laughs> a lot of us have vows. Part three, yeah, part three. Yeah, the triple dose. The triple, <laughs> the triple IPA for the good fighter. Um, so intention, when we, set our, when we set our intention, the more we do it, the more we're able to access that ability and that power within ourselves to make things happen, to manifest our reality. Each one of us is in the constant process of co-creating our reality. Part of that's with the other people in our lives. Part of that's with the divine. And part of that is based on different concepts and beliefs we are filtering our lives through. So if I set, an, if I set, the, if I set the intention that X, Y, or Z is going to happen, it's allowing the universe to work for me. One of the most important components is to let go of how it comes to pass meaning let go of the attachment to needing to control it all. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's essentially, I, I do my part. I set the intention. I hold space for it. I allow myself to let go of how it comes to pass. And then I let the divine do its job. Mm-hmm. 
that makes sense rather than it the more i feel a need to control the more i'm trying to do that do god's job for it that makes sense yeah it can do its job i'll do my job um does that make some sense a little bit oh yeah i yeah i mean it's uh I don't know. I feel like it's a point of emphasis that I, I mean, somewhere along the or somewhere along a lot of chiropractors' journeys is that um, that real understanding that you know we aren't healing anybody, right? Like that always comes from within. So really understanding. I mean, just like being able to comprehend that concept that like being able to let go of outcomes because it really is out of your hands. Um, we we don't know what it's going to look like. It can look different for everyone. Right. And, and for some people that is miraculous physiological healing for others, it looks like them not being so them not being as attached to, in themselves to how their body is functioning. And for most people, it's both, you know, and, and that's the thing is that because the, because our body, the life within us is always working to heal and to grow and to thrive. It allows, you know, the, the work that we all three do and a lot, a lot of other practitioners do. When, when in chiropractic and outside of chiropractic is to help guide that, help facilitate that process. With regards to connection, I think one very, something that I talk about, and I do this, I talk about this in the boundaries class I teach, which is that there's three components of connection. There's me, there's whomever or whatever I'm connecting to. So any chiropractic students uh, listening, this is, this is going to help with finals. So there's me. There's whomever or whatever I'm connecting to, and there's the divine. So what I, what I do and what I can what I teach people how to do is to connect through from my soul to the divine, to the soul of the other person or the other thing, and then back to myself. So it's a trinity. What will happen, especially in relationships, whether that is romantic or otherwise, romantic, familial, friendships, any form of relationship, and including from doctor to patient, from facilitator to recipient, what can happen is when you forget that the, when you exclude the divine from that process, it becomes a tug of war for energy. It becomes a tug of war for attention and awareness and energy. And people will start having conflict. And whoever feels like they won is the one who got the energy. Whereas when I'm connected to someone, like right now, I'm consciously connected to the two of you and I, and the divine is the one fueling this. I get to be the mouthpiece. I'm, you know, it's, it's a fun, fun little hobby of mine. And <laughs> I'm not trying to like, there's no conflict here. It's just, it has just flown. It, it, from my perspective, it was just a very simple flow that we've been sharing so far. So it's just a matter of being aware of that. And that's something that I can teach, but that's again, another day. That, that's the quadruple dose. <laughs> Add on always. Yeah. That. That, that double cask IPA. Right? I'm, I'm, malt. I'm, I'm teaching, teaching a boundaries class somewhere in August. So I'll let you guys know when, if you want to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love the way that you dove into that real quick. Go for Smash. it. Oh, no, I was just, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Nash, don't interrupt him. He's complimenting me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a habit I seem to have honed in pretty well. So, <laughs> uh, um, so you know, talking about boundaries, right? I think that's a really important aspect that a lot of people struggle with is uh, establishing healthy boundaries. Yes. Whether that be in healing, or whether that be in relationships, or whether that even just be with with yourself and 
giving yourself some grace that I think a lot of people feel guilty with uh, some of the boundaries that they have for certain things. Mm -hmm. They've reached this point where they're like, oh, well, I've already crossed that boundary and like, there's just no turning back. Um, Is that something that you see a lot in those boundary classes or? Um, Thinking there's not as much with that last part, but with everything else, yes. And even then with sometimes, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's a matter, some of it's a matter of having with that last point is the agreements that we have with other people. Mm -hmm. And we all have a code that we carry around. If, If you, if you, if you've ever seen the movie, the matrix, it's, that's kind of what we all look like. And if you can see like with the different code that we carry. And so we teach people how to treat us. We teach people how to interact with us. Hmm. The thing about boundaries is that part of the challenge, part of the reason it's so challenging is that from a very young age, we're told that when we say no, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't count, you know, because no, you can't stick that fork in the electrical outlet. No, you cannot eat the kitty litter. No, you can't run down. You can't run through the hall through the halls of the mall naked. Like no, like you know, <laughs> as toddlers, we have to be told no a lot so that way we don't you know jump off cliffs. So it's a very important thing. But the challenge is is that it sticks in our subconscious and we don't remember that we can say no. It's also how well. Part of it is also how well it's demonstrated to us by primarily our parents. And so Brene Brown talks about this. I can send you guys the link if you want to share it. It's in one of her interviews that some of the research that she does, she's a um, doctor of social work and an amazing researcher all about heart center, ought to be wholehearted, which, you know, so she and I are soul sisters. We just haven't ever actually met. Um, <laughs> she knows it or not. You're right. The <laughs> and, connection is real. I lovingly joke. I'm, I, I'm her biggest fan. She just hasn't met me yet. Um, so, in it, she was ta- one of the things she talks about is that let's say that when someone's two years old, they want to say, I want some chocolate, I want some chocolate. And, the, and one of their parents says no, and they start throwing a tantrum, and the parent gives in. Fast forward, they're in the back of a car, they're 16, they're on a date. The guy's saying, I really want it, I really want it. They have the download of how, the, the demonstration of how to say no. Just to really hit it between the eyes for a moment. Likewise, we're also not told, taught how to hear the word no and have it be okay. So in my office, uh, I play a boundaries game with people constantly. I just don't explain that that's what I'm doing. But I say, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to put my hands here. Is that okay? They can say yes or no. And if I get any sense of the sense that they're actually wanting to say no, or they're uncomfortable, I will change the, I will say, hey, and let's try that again. Tell me, I'm going to ask again, but tell me no, because I know that's what you actually want to say. Whether and that could be as simple as, hey, at, most, at the end of some visits, I'll say, hey, are you huggable? And most people are like, yes, I'd love hugs, especially after last year, because no one was getting enough hugs. Right. And, but I do have people who I can tell and we all know this, like they want to say no, but they're actually saying yes because they don't want to, like they don't want to be, and guy, girl doesn't matter. It's like they're being rude, right? Right, exactly. We're taught that we can't say no to things, that we're not allowed to. And so part of the boundaries that I, part of the experience with boundaries that I teach is exactly that. How to say yes when you mean yes, how to say no when you mean no, how to hear the difference and how to respond respectfully. So that's part of it. The other part of boundaries is having the boundaries of our reality. So when I, when I talk to people who are really into 
expanding consciousness and energy and things like that, sometimes they get a little hesitant, like, no, no, I don't want boundaries. I want to be able to like get up there, wherever there is up there, you know, mm-hmm. boundaries act as the container for who we are in the same way that we have skin to hold our organs inside our bodies. <laughs> so part of it is having boundaries to be able to set, to be able to hold the past where it belongs, the future where it belongs, giving and receiving and source and ground, meaning the ground, like mother earth. Yep. And those different points form a axis where within the center of these boundaries and within the center of this reality is the sweet spot, which is where miracles and magic happen. Um, I'm from Chicago. So the easiest example is Michael Jordan. That man knew how to get in the sweet spot. That's what I call it. It's this, it's where your sacred heart, present time and balance all coincide and where he shoots, it goes in. He shoots, it goes in. He shoots, it goes in. Or someone like Tiger Woods back in the day where he took a little golf ball. And I just went golfing over the weekend. That's why I have this wonderful sunburn. This little <laughs> ball, this tiny little ball hits it hundreds of yards away into a coffee cup and it goes in the hole. How the heck does that happen? There's no logical way that should be possible because he was in the sweet spot. When you guys are in your office and serving people, when you're in your when you're in the flow and you don't even you're not even thinking anymore, it's just happening spontaneously. That's you guys being in the sweet spot. Does that make some sense? Yeah. yeah. And without boundaries, we will either a we a leak our vital life force energy into any number of different areas, whether it's the past, the future, into giving too much, receiving too much, whether, and what that looks like giving too much is someone who will just give you the shirt right off their back. They don't know how to not, like they don't know how to take care of themselves. And then the other direction is someone who's receiving too much is it's, they're like an energy vampire. Just you walk in the room and it's <laughs> the wind <laughs> out. Have you seen what we do in the shadows? I really No, but I've heard I would like it. It's by Taika oh, you would. Uh, vampire show, traditional vampires, they suck blood, but there's also another type called an energy vampire. And he actually oh. worked in like, an insurance office. Hilarious. So good. First off, that is the perfect office for them to work in. Yeah. Second off, I love that there is a mass media depiction of this. Yes. Then you can also have someone who's living too much on the ground ground side of their reality. And that what that looks like is someone who is a, a ground gripper probably would be either atheist or agnostic Mm. anything that is non-physical or it cannot be measured with the scientific method doesn't exist the flip side of that is you get people who are living way too much into the source end of their reality where they airy fairy is the is an easy way to describe them where they can't they can barely drive a car can't hold a thought in their head can't balance a checkbook they're just floating around in the ethers but they again you need to be have have, be in the, in harmony with both of these Absolutely. and then you and i both you know, the three of us all see people from the past who live in the past and the future way too much and all of these will also have different correlations with our physical body so someone who's stuck in the past which is the back face of the reality is will have terrible back pain they'll be living in wanting vengeance or feeling betrayed or enraged or they will have something going on in the back of their head or in Likewise, the front. So there's correspondence to all of these things because there's a universal law of equalities, which establishes the principle as above, so below, as within, so without. Which allows me that if I can change the way I hold boundaries 
and the way that I interact with boundaries, it will change the way my reality works. It'll change the way that I, my world responds to me. That was a very long answer to a relatively simple question. Was that helpful? Oh, yeah. Same Good. I, uh, yeah. I, you know, as far as like boundaries go, um, I think that, I, I think one concept that I've been playing around with recently is that, or, or leaning into is that boundaries are also, I mean, kind of what you were saying before about laws being made. So you, uh, knowing the law, so you know how to break them. Right. But also like boundaries, like uh, they don't always have to be super rigid. Like they can be flexible a little bit or like have some, uh, some cushion. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on what type of boundaries we're talking about. If we're talking about the energetic boundaries that hold you together, I want them solid as Fort Knox. If we're talking about the boundaries we have with people, then yeah, it allows it to be, it, it, it needs to be a conscious decision to allow it to have a certain level of flexibility. And I'll tell you that the, the hardest people to do this with are families and uh, romantic partners, just by and large, they're the, it's just the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, so as people, as you develop a better sense of boundaries and learn how to hold them better, doing it with your family is the real, like that, that's game time. Right. You know? Um, but it's, it comes down to a, it, it can be as simple as for the three of us, you know, someone saying, is there anything more you can do for this, for this care plan? You know, is there any more? And just simply saying respectfully, no, I like that. That's the boundary. That's the, that is the, where it has to be. So I can keep the lights on, you know, it, it can be as simple as that. And also allowing other people to have boundaries, you know, and the thing about it is the more you are hold, you can hold your boundaries and the more you allow others to cultivate theirs, the safer they will feel with you. Mm-hmm. And we're back and we're back to that same conversation before gates about either of our offices or to any of our listeners who aren't chiropractors or healers of any kind that being around you becomes a lighthouse it becomes it's a presence that people feel safe in and they get to right. be themselves right one of the more powerful things i remember dr way talking about uh this last year in atlanta uh that i had never really thought of much before was the boundaries that you create with children and mm. even speaking on earlier you know the emotional capacity that some people have or you know lack thereof um creating those boundaries like children crave boundaries because you know there's you know still so uh i mean they're so receptive right and like they just want to understand uh you know what those boundaries are because they want to be accepted as well i think there's some inherent uh knowledge that they want to be accepted by everybody else and boundaries are a great way for them to understand what ways they can authentically be themselves within mm-hmm. the realm of everybody else accepting them. Yeah. So I think emotionally that is a, a huge uh, point of emphasis for everybody listening on this. That is awesome. When I first learned boundaries at the, at the level that I did, at the level that I now teach, um, it allowed me so much more ability to grow my emotional self and process and integrate the old emotions that were still running, like those old, okay. The way I like to describe it is like, you know, you've got your phone and you can swipe the programs closed. You swipe the apps closed. You can actually swipe the apps closed. That's part of what chiropractic does too. It helps facilitate. And it's part of what boundaries can do is it gives you more freedom to be able to do that more consciously and effectively. It also allows greater levels of perception to start to happen. At least from my experience. Yeah. And, you know, uh, with levels of perception, a lot of people or a lot of people who think that it's associating with like expanding, like 
horizontally, horizontally or uh, just me have a wider uh, perception of things. But really, the the greatest thing you could do would be to go deeper with it, right? With uh, the questions you ask or um, the the things you seek to to be knowledgeable on is just to go deeper with the questions, not necessarily wider. Right? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it- we talk about it at MLS seminars all the time is drilling a deep well, digging a deep well versus being, you know, semi-decent at 14 therapies in your office and four, you know, 10 nutritional plans and, you know, at adjusting versus being absolutely masterful with regards to the adjustment because of how powerful it can be for transformation for wellness and well-being um and and again it's not necessarily a matter of right or wrong it's just a matter of perspective and choice there's not really a right or wrong there it's just a matter of the choice you make and the consequences thereof speaking of depth along with that um dr nash shared with me that you have taken an astronomical amount of seminars um somewhere within the total I of i heard 100 what is the official number i stopped keeping track a while ago but uh he's not wrong when i when i was getting ready to graduate and you guys probably would all remember this for yourselves i was feeling like am i ready like am i really ready to go there? and so uh an exercise that a, a coach of mine um gave me a wonderful soul named lou corletto he recommended calculate out how many seminars have you done and how much money have you spent? Like how much are your hands worth? And so I, so I decided to do that and I decided to, I had to figure out how to calculate it because they're like, you know, if I go to a Friday night talk, but then go to the seminar, I, that's one whole thing. If I just got a Friday night talk, I counted that. If I go to a one night adjusting workshop, I counted that. If it's a week long thing, I counted that as one. By the time I graduated, it was somewhere in the vicinity of 90. Um, and that was in 2017. So since then, between the seminars that I've helped, I've both attended and both helped facilitate and teach at, uh, it's a little bit higher. Um, Interesting. I love it, though. I wanted to get into your mindset with that, too, because, you know, not only just the calculation of up to that, but when you're going through this and everything. Because I was sharing with Dr. Nash, I was like, first of all, I don't think I've taken close to 100. but there has to be a certain level of humility that comes with that to take that many seminars because there has to, when, when you go through that many things at a certain point, you think you're pretty good at adjusting, right? But there's always that depth to be had, that always that depth to grow in. So I wanted to get into that mindset of, A, keeping humility, but then B, you know, what types of new evolution of yourself did you notice and continue to carry out with that as well? Sure. I, I love the question. I, I love, I love the, the thought process behind the question. So part of it, I think, was comes from my background. Um, my mom, when I was younger, had a couple of disc herniations. And then my dad, when I was 12, had a spinal cord injury. And he had to learn how to walk from scratch at the age of 47. So I had to figure out, I learned very quickly, like, okay, my skill set like I need, I need my skill set to be able, not just a, um, for lack of a better phrase, it rack them and crack them. Like it had, I had to learn a different, I did, wanted to increase my skill set or I chose to increase my skill set. So I'd be able to take care of, if nothing else, my parents, uh, or 
my uncle about 10 years ago had cancer and, you know, it, w- it was, how do you work with people who have that going on? Or, you know, how do you work with people who are, don't just have, and, and this isn't meant to be diminishing of something that can be as debilitating as a head as headaches and someone, people who have intense physiological um, processes going on or have had intense physiological traumas. Um, so that was, I think, part of where it came from. My second quarter, my first quarter, I met a guy named Boo Bernier, who's Arno Bernier's son. Arno developed MLS. And Boo was my first student clinician. So I got spoiled in a hurry. Because <laughs> <laughs> at, a, at a student level, he was exceptional. Right. Like when he was a student, he had exceptional skills for that point in his evolution. And so I started, go, started learning MLS. And part of, I think, what sparked it was a woman named Sue Brown who developed biometric yeah. integration, which is an amazing um, approach to adjusting, approach to chiropractic that can be a bridge between tonal, postural, and osseous models. It's, she wanted to find, I think someone described it once as the unified theory of subluxation. How do you look at anything anyone is doing chiropractic adjustment-wise and follow along and have it make sense and be able to blend any number of techniques in your art form? And she was part of who I learned that the, the this this concept that adjusting and clearing subluxations will allow a greater healing and growth to happen in terms of um, finishing the learning process of previous unintegrated experiences. And so my thought, well, part of my thought was, well, all these at all these seminars, I get adjusted by masters, so that's going to really help me. Grow, like, like I got I got a, I got work to do here because I knew it. Mm-hmm. In myself, what that what there that there was still stuff to do. Part of it was also that in my senior year of college, I had a um, my challenge was a uh, emotional, mental, spiritual depression, and um, so I, I did counseling at the time. And but I also came to chiropractic school wondering, like, man, it'd be cool if, chiropr- if there was a chiropractic technique that could help people with that type of stuff. Um, not knowing that there were tons, and that the chiropractic. <laughs> like any chiropractic adjustment can massively help people with that. Uh, but so I think it was part of it was also at the end of my first year, I got invited to come to like a, uh, adva- a student led advanced adjusting group. And I'm looking around the room going, all right, if I'm going to hang with these guys, I got to step it up. And um, I think for part of me, maybe part of my personality that I love, I, I found the things that I loved and followed them all the way to the soul, if that makes sense, where it was, you know, with MLS and BGI, it was, okay, these two things just light me up in a way that I I haven't experienced before in in the way that I hear pro athletes talk about how like the game of basketball is to them. It just lights them up in a way that they can't fully put words into. And so I found things like that. I found teachers like that. And then along the way, I started to find more people that I wanted to learn from. And part of it, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Marvel movie, Dr. Strange. There's a a scene in it for anyone who's listening, who hasn't, hasn't seen it. um, He meets this teacher called the ancient one and she punches him through the dimensions and he lands back in his body. And he's just like, teach me. And that, and I, I I laughed my butt off when I heard, when I saw that, because I had that experience several times throughout school where I would, I met people who held such a presence and, their who they were did so, facilitated so much healing and then the and then the way they moved and adjusted and connected that 
it became very, I knew that that was for me. And so then I learned from them as often as I could. And I just dedicated myself to that process. So part of it is being like, if, if you find something that is for you in that way, that lights you up and brings you home in such a way that you weren't fully sure you, that, that was possible and you, people are willing to teach you, then learn. And, um, and to be fair, I had to have, I had to really discipline my ego throughout that process, really discipline my personality throughout that process of, because I, th- I liked what you said, Gates, of like, you know, wanting to be real, like coming out thinking you're really good. There's, there comes a point, regardless of the field you're in, I think, especially for chiropractors where like you, you like, I'm going to get good. I want to, I want to be the best. Like, you know, you want to be like Ash Ketchum. I want to be the very <laughs> At a certain point, what I've noticed is I'm like, I moved past that to, okay, I know I have a high level of skill. I don't want to be the best, like be, be the best compared to other people. I want to be the best for the people I serve. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. And, I, and what is it that I need to do to be able to serve people at an exceptional level to the point where they can, they will go tell friends and family that, I know you've been to chiropractors before, but you haven't experienced this. And because in my opinion, there is an amazing promise that was made with chiropractic. When chiropractic was brought to, to the planet and to humanity, it was brought here to facilitate our healing, our evolution and our awakening. And that's a big promise. And rather than selling it short, I'd rather, and again, in the very, like Nash said, with simplicity, say, tell people it, and then be able to deliver the goods. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's something that I'm, I'm continuously working on. And each, and every, every day in practice, every week, it, I'm learning more and I'm getting better and better and better at it. I want every single adjustment I give to be better than the last. Yeah. I don't back down on that. And that's why they call it practice. Yeah. <laughs> Not a permanent. No, Um, there's so many great things that, you know, people who are truly connected and have that have conviction, especially chiropractors uh, that they they speak about and especially referring to the adjustment being like a signature of of themselves and their soul for somebody. Um, So I I truly appreciate uh, what you said there, Doc. That was was great. I heard a Tim Young put it very elegantly one time. He learned it from his master teacher named Hugo Gibson. And in there, when they were learning in school, before they would go to make, go to, to adjust, he would say, they'd be set up and he would say, now feel it in your soul. Mm. In a South African accent that I'm not going to try and mimic, but it was feel it in your, feel it in your soul, lad. And I, I heard Dr. Hugo, so I, I know exactly. That. Yes, I cannot do the accent. I'm not going to try. I can no. kind of do Arno's, but, um, but it's it's a matter of that. In that moment, there is there can be a um, merging that happens and a facilitation and a quickening of the energy for the person and for the person who's delivering the adjustment. Because as we bless, we are blessed. So there are several times during the day that I'll adjust somebody and. Like I'll take a step back from when they'll kind of look at me and they'll be able, and I'll look at them like, I think I got adjusted on that one too. Thanks so much. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that, that truly is a, a level of connection that 
I mean, you just, uh, we, we've talked about it a little bit before too, um, for anybody that's listened to some of the episodes about that connection level between not just uh, educated, but also innately connecting with somebody. And that's a two-way street. You can't, you cannot, I cannot give more than I'm willing to receive. Yep. So if I, if, if I have the intention of, of facilitating a miracle for someone, I have to also be willing to receive a miracle in my own life. If I want to give someone unconditional love, then I have to be willing to receive unconditional love in return. If I want to see them, I have to be willing to be seen. And then it becomes not a, a superior and inferior person interacting. It becomes a dance with among equals. We uh, take that. Yeah, I would we, drop my mic, but I just bought the thing, so I don't want to damage it. No. <laughs> We're getting close to mic drop period anyway. We got about five more minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. On this part too. Um, so one last final thought. Um, Dr. Gates, do you have anything else for, uh, um, I think real quick, I do want to touch on this because okay. we just went over this episode of, you know, what makes a good fighter and in per- portions of this, we've already kind of touched on, but I want to discuss really quickly, not op- operating in a fear mm. mentality. And I think a lot of students especially come up or, or any individual within the public world can can resonate with that as they're afraid to or they're scared to not be mediocre or not be a failing chiropractor not be failing in whatever they want to do um how and just you know especially since this past year what has that been like for you maybe if you did have a little fear from covid or whatever or something like that taking that foot to another level and not operating in a fear-based mentality but operating in in a different way no, I, I love the question. And, and for, for clarity, I will say that there were times that I was um, fearful, not necessarily of the disease. I mean, I had the disease in December and I'm, I'm still alive. And um, I think he was almost like, what the heck is happening in the world? Mm-hmm. And um, whether it, our, I'll, I'll just talk, I'll talk about our body for a quick moment. Our body can operate in one of two modes, and that is either fear or in love. Or put another way, we can either be parasympathetically um, adaptable or sympathetically overcharged. Meaning that there is a we every choice we make can be can be every choice we make, and every every part of our day we're making hundreds of choices. Is are we making them out of fear or out of love? And Part of it is also, and, and for the record, students, I, any students listening, I totally get the fear of like failing a class and everything. So there, there's a certain, there are occasionally t- occasional times where it's a little helpful to, right. um, but there's all, there's two, the two main fears when you get into practice or for anyone who's in any particular field, especially service, one is the fear of failure, which is what Dr. Gates was alluding to. The other is fear of success, of actually being worthy to do any of this that we've been talking about for the last hour and a half. And so it's a matter of being cultivating self-worth to be able to allow yourself to shine and allow yourself to share your gifts. Because if someone is coming, if Nash and I, Nash and Gates and I practiced next to each other, there would be different people that would come to each of us. And that's perfectly okay because we both, we all three have different gifts to share. Right. And so with whatever you do, you can choose, am I, am I making this choice? You can ask yourself, 
am I making this choice out of fear or love? Because it's one of the one or the other. And asking yourself that simple question can really make a profound difference in in who you are and how you be. Boom. That's perfect. Damn. What a way to finish. Dr. Nathan, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence and, and, and dropping some serious knowledge and some potent, potent words for everybody here today. Um, I know you just dropped a book. I would love for you if you just kind of could uh, let people know how they could reach out to you or how they could get more connected with you and uh, what you might have come down the pipe this next uh, 365. Absolutely. So I have a couple of classes coming up. One is about rewriting the concepts and belief systems about health and healing. I'll send um, Gates and Nash the um, um, info so they can just disperse it. Uh, the book is called Letters to Our Younger Selves, a Combat Manual for Mindful Living. Um, it's on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, or Book Baby. And I may be a little biased, but I think it's pretty darn good. And uh, we wrote, we, the central question was, if you could write a letter through time to your younger self, what would you say? And that was what me and the, three, the two other authors all decided to uh, focus on. And it came out really cool. So, um, and it's designed to be read. You can read it in, in like a long plane ride. You can write, read it over a weekend. Um, but there's, it's all very simple. Um, but as Nash said, simplicity has a lot of power behind it. Love it. Well, thank you for tuning in, good fighters. Um, stay tuned for what we got coming up next. We got a lot of good more guests coming your way. But you know where to find us at uh, at the underscore under uh, good underscore fight underscore errs on Instagram and. Dr. Gates, what's your hashtag? Why don't they find you? Uh, Gatesmare underscore DC. Perfect. Well, not my hashtag, but mine. Whatever and, it's called. And mine is at Innate Life Cairo on Instagram if you'd like to follow me too. Perfect. Yeah, follow. Sweet. Choose your destiny.